Welcome to All About Data on Federal News Network. Now your host, Jory Heckman. Thanks for joining me this week on All About Data, a conversation with chief data officers and the people who are making data work better in government. On today's episode, the Department of Veterans Affairs showcases the future of AI. Here to talk about it is Gil Alterovitz. He's the director of VA's National AI Institute. Gil, thanks for joining me. Great. Thanks for having me on the show. And just to get the conversation started here, let's recap a little bit of the VA's recent AI Summit, a multi-day event, a lot of speakers, and a lot of use cases being demonstrated here. Before we kind of get started with the rest of the conversation here, Gil, just tell me a little bit in your own words what stood out to you from that showcase of all things AI. We were really excited about our uh, summit this year. It's shown a lot of growth over uh, the years here. Uh, we uh, had about more than four times the number of people as last year. There were 138 speakers. It's hard to pick uh, one or two projects, but uh, we were really excited that the uh, Secretary of the VA announced the uh, trustworthy AI framework for the VA department-wide, and we are excited to see these announcement of uh, the new uh, AI tech sprints around provider burnout, around uh, different themes in that area, which we're looking forward to seeing the results of a continuation of these AI tech sprints that we've seen have shown a lot of uh, progress over the years. And um, this year's theme should really move the needle forward as well. Yeah, so I, I would say that those are a few of the things, but you know, there are just so many great talks, exhibits, panels, discussions from internationally all the way to you know uh, patient stories and seeing new results around uh, AI uh, tools uh, within the VA. Absolutely, and to drill down on those tech sprints, those AI tech sprints that you mentioned, I believe the Undersecretary for Health, Dr. Sharif El Nahal, mentioned those a little bit in what he had to say during the summit. But let's get a little bit more details, if we may, in terms of the duration of those tech sprints. How long are those tech sprints going to be ongoing? And once that period ends, what happens from there? Right. So the AI tech sprint is, a, is a, a, essentially a model for ways that we can engage with outside stakeholders, uh, industry, uh, academia, nonprofits, other organizations uh, around a particular theme. We actually have a SOP on this uh, on our uh, website. So it kind of goes through the process. It's a, a three-month uh, type of process where we uh, work with the different organizations around a particular theme. And in this case, we have a couple themes around provider burnout. There's the uh, ambient uh, voice analysis slash dictation one where you're able to take conversations from between physicians and patients, you know, of course, with their consent and leverage that to save that information and into a note. It basically makes it a lot easier to save that note, create that note for the medical record. Again, that's something that will begin testing as part of this text print in a simulated environment at first and kind of evaluate how it works uh, rather than you know leveraging it on uh, actual patients at the beginning and uh, the other part of the ai text sprint is around looking at 
community uh, information that uh, may be usable within the VA. So veterans have an, an option to go outside the VA to different community locations outside of the you know the actual uh, medical center facility, and that information often comes back in the form of a fax or a scanned PDF kind of document. So as an image, it's not readily accessible to uh, physicians if they're trying to search for certain parts of the document, certain keywords and so forth. And so what this part of the sprint would do is see if that information using uh, optical character recognition, natural language processing, and those technologies to enable physicians to more quickly be able to look through and analyze documents like that. So those are the themes. Uh, as I mentioned, it's around a a three-month kind of period uh, where there's, uh, at the end, it, it kind of ends with a a um, demonstration of what uh, has been uh, created in these areas. Uh, afterwards, we then uh, select winners for uh, uh, prizes. And in the past, we've seen that that national competition was leverageable as justification for further contracting. You know, that's what we've seen uh, in the past working well. And uh, so we're hoping this can uh, potentially be leveraged to take a look and see what potential solutions are out there in, in this space and see which ones might be applicable here. Okay, got it. So it seems to me from what I just heard here is that this is a model where it's a public-private partnership type deal where uh, the VA obviously has a role here, but they're working with uh, people in this field to kind of incubate these ideas and, and see what the art of the possible is. Is that a correct way of putting it? So the, it, the AI tech sprint essentially uh, comes at a really early phase, right? Before there's any official uh, partnerships, uh, you know, anyone can really apply that meets uh, the guidelines. Uh, it will be, you know, it's, it's publicly posted when uh, people, you know, for people to apply, it, will, it is something that uh, anyone can uh, apply for when it's posted. And then after, and then uh, there's, uh, you know, once they win the prize, there's no commitment or or anything like that. Um, so it's it's uh, more like a prize rather than um, a contract for the AI tech sprint part. Now, after that, as I mentioned in the, in the past, you know, we've seen that that can lead to potential, uh, you know, contracts, partnerships and so forth. So it is uh, kind of a, you know, potential way to to get to that stage allowing you know all the different organizations to kind of uh, uh, learn from each other these uh, organizations that apply they get to see and learn from the different um, subject matter experts uh, within the VA uh, around the type of VA information that we have the type of needs the VA has and, and uh, we get to see you know what's out there uh, in the marketplace as well all right thanks for clarifying that and you mentioned earlier that these tech sprints, they are all broadly themed around, you know, addressing VA clinician burnout, that provider burnout. It seems like these particular use cases are really all broadly themed around AI as a force multiplier for the VA workforce. Uh, just tell me, you know, why is this the focus of, of these tech sprints? Why is this the priority that the VA has chosen to emphasize as part of these tech sprints going forward? Yeah, so we've had tech sprints on a, a number of different areas uh, from clinical trial 
matching uh, and search to uh, focusing on areas where veterans were not currently being served for the by the VA. And, and this year's theme is around uh, one of the three priorities that were outlined in the, the speech that you referred to earlier, one of which was uh, looking at provider burnout. There are two other ones around which are not currently the focus of uh, text prints, but there are two other areas that are also uh, being investigated that are kind of within this uh, topic area that is uh, within the topic area of uh, looking at how different uh, use cases can help in different areas. So provider burnout being one of them. Another one is around looking at HR uh, and advancing that priority as well toward uh, faster, improved hiring type of actions. And then there's another use case looking at scheduling slash clinical reminders and and that area. So those are kind of the three areas and that were you know addressed within that uh, summit speech. And uh, the text print was the one that was announced focused on the provider uh, burnout for the coming months. And you mentioned earlier how VA Secretary McDonough during his speech pointed out that the VA is the first federal agency to launch this trustworthy AI framework. This seems like a big deal. Uh, Obviously, there's a focus on the VA making AI a a tool in the toolbox for meeting its mission here. But of course, the concerns of getting AI right and making sure that's deployed in ways that are ethical and trustworthy are all top of mind here. Gil, just tell me a little bit more about the framework, how it came to be, and how this is a major step for advancing AI use in the federal government. So the AI has been at the forefront of uh, developing and working to ensure that trustworthy AI is looked at from the beginning or as early as possible in uh, within the development process. We've seen over uh, the years a number of uh, different items come out, whether it be executive orders, um, whether it be uh, the AI blueprint for an AI Bill of Rights, whether it be risk management frameworks and others. And and what saw is that, you know, so the VA has some agency-specific needs and, and principles uh, as well. And so there was this need to uh, look at a, a single framework that could serve the VA as a whole. We are speaking with Gil Alterovitz. He's the director of VA's National AI Institute. We're going to take a short break, but we'll continue our conversation when we return. I'm Jory Heckman, and you're listening to All About Data on Federal News Network. data, we're speaking with Gil Alterovitz. He's the director of VA's National AI Institute. Are there any key pillars or any key provisions of that AI framework that are worth 
spelling out in more detail because I think, again, when it comes to AI, you know, uh, building that trust in the uh, the workforce, making sure that they understand the ins and outs of it and that they ultimately feel comfortable using it uh, is, is usually a, a pretty key part of, uh, of going forward with this kind of stuff. Oh, no, we're good. Okay. So, um, yeah, so the trustworthy AI principles... Um, you know, we've developed uh, this uh, this set uh, that involves a number of uh, different ones. It, it, you know, the items, um, you know, trustworthy AI uh, use cases, you know, they need to be purposeful. You know, the AI technology should provide a clear benefit to veterans and pose as minimal risk as possible. They should be effective uh, and, and safe. You know, the AI systems, you know, they have to be designed and monitored to ensure accuracy and safety. Uh, and risk needs to be proactively assessed and mitigated. Um, it also needs to be secure and private, right? So resilient against vulnerabilities, uh, AI systems, uh, you know, they maintain this data stewardship uh, and, you know, you want to prohibit uh, any potential uh, malicious uh, exploitation of uh, veteran data. So uh, both, you know, maintaining that uh, that data, uh, making sure that it it is um, it is uh, dealt with in, in a proper way, and then when speaking about data and models, you know you have to make sure that they're fair and equitable. That the systems are designed, monitored, and managed to avoid that bias uh, or algorithmic or potential algorithmic discrimination, and transparent and explainable uh, is our penultimate one, which uh, really informs our veterans, you know, what and how their data is being used. And then our final uh, theme is around being accountable and uh, monitored. So VA uses, uh, you know, the goal here is to use these responsible analytics and automation to limit uncertainty while ensuring the AI systems are continuously monitored. So those are our themes, and some of these are based on, uh, like I said, they, I mean, they're all based on essentially a combination of these different uh, principles, some of which came out from executive orders, AI Bill of Rights, uh, OECD framework for international items that the U.S. has uh, been bound to, uh, risk management frameworks, and, and so forth. Okay. Uh, a lot of the use cases we've been talking about up until this point have been, you know, internally focused, you know, really workforce focused and for good reason. Um, you know, again, going back to that force multiplier point here, but, you know, something I've heard uh, many a time now is that also uh, AI is a valuable tool in the healthcare setting, um, doing things like, you know, helping clinicians identify, you know, anomalies and scans and things like that. Um, you know, as we look, you know, inevitably toward healthcare uses of AI, you know, what are the the AI use cases uh, that the VA is looking at in that clinical, in that clinical, in that healthcare space? Yeah, well, there there are a number of them. So, uh, in the healthcare space, there are. Uh, you know, one that's being uh, leveraged now uh, is an application looking uh, at uh, using AI in uh, colonoscopies, where you're looking uh, for uh, colorectal cancer there. And uh, as 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 do, doing the colonoscopy, there are these images that a physician is is looking through, and um, AI through this uh, particular uh, device can uh, essentially point out regions in the image that the physician may want to pay uh, closer attention to when they're looking at that. Um, so that's kind of one example uh, that's being uh, leveraged. There are uh, 
number of potential uses in AI ranging from, you know, diagnostics, screening, uh, prognostics, um, or, you know, as we mentioned around cancer, uh, looking at different types of uh, data, integrating different types of data. That was an imaging example, but there are many other types of data um, as well from uh, lab data to other types of data. Um, electronic medical record data using natural language processing. Um, and uh, the other area which we kind of alluded to a little bit is kind of these operational use cases, uh, productivity use cases that happen behind the scenes, you know, uh, in the background, whether it be, we mentioned the provider burnout one, but there, there are other ones that help uh, kind of in either automating processes or, or uh, making things um, uh, happen more and more efficiently by connecting different types of data together uh, in a way that then uh, allows people to um, you know, make uh, better inferences. So um, the, there, there's a number of those being investigated. In fact, there's over 100 uh, use cases uh, at the VA uh, right now that are in different stages of development. Um, and they do range from, like I said, uh, from things that are uh, you, you would see directly with the patient all the way to things that um, would help kind of in automating uh, different processes where um, some uh, some recommendations may be made by system um, or natural language processing is used to to analyze forms and uh, and take that to uh, a to, to take that into um, a type of setting where it can be analyzed more readily. Okay. Yeah. We've been talking a lot about the opportunities of AI. I want to switch over to some of the challenges. Um, of course, this is, uh, you know, an emerging technology and, you know, it takes a new approach to, uh, you know, figuring things out here. With that in mind, just what are some of the top challenges of advancing AI at the VA and how is the VA looking to overcome some of those obstacles? Right. So uh, like any uh, new type of area, there's always, uh, you know, uh, exciting areas and then uh, things that to look at to uh, to move forward. And, uh, in the case of AI, you know, a lot of people, you know, think of it as a, as you mentioned, kind of this technology, but it really is an integration uh, of, of many of it's really an interdisciplinary sort of uh, topic where we found that it's really helpful to integrate uh, across offices, across different teams. That's why we have our AI working group that brings together uh, all the different offices so that you have experts in, in the use cases, experts in the underlying computing uh, needs, uh, experts in the platforms, uh, expertise in um, the uh, change management that's needed, right? That's actually a, a big one, right? So how do you uh, have people adopt this type of uh, framework moving forward, whether it be the trustworthy AI framework, whether it be the actual AI in the use case, right? Um, there needs to be uh, processes, uh, there needs to be governance around these uh, processes, and, and these are all areas that uh, we've been uh, working toward. And um, and then, of course, there's kind of, there's the underlying information, on underlying data that needs to be accessible. Uh, at the same time, the the proper safeguards need to be put in place uh, for access to that data by these systems, which is where, as we mentioned, some of the uh, trustworthy AI framework uh, items came about. 
Um, and there's a need to for education in this area, right? So if you want to have uh, increased adoption uh, and adoption that is uh, done in a trustworthy way, people need to understand the limits of AI, uh, the, where, it, where it can apply, where it does not apply as well. Um, and it, our systems are typically developed with the human in the loop, so the human will take the or not take the recommendation made by the AI, right? And so being educated about where AI uh, typically works well and does not work well helps in that. And so we're working toward a number of areas, whether it be developing uh, AI 101 type of courses for uh, for different um, types of uh, clinical leaders, whether it be toward uh, developing uh, uh, pathways uh, that leverage uh, different uh, approaches to develop AI skills of, of those who would like to develop that. And um, and so there's kind of different approaches that we're looking at uh, addressing each of these areas. Okay. And to drill down specifically into the data side of things, um, that is, of course, an area where, um, you know, it is a, I suppose, a tricky balance to get to your point about making sure those safeguards are in place at the... Uh, uh, the data is protected, uh, but still, you know, uh, usable for these these AI algorithms. These algorithms rely on just a, a treasure trove of data to to learn and, and develop and be used in, in in ways that are useful. But um, you know that that utility versus that security, uh, obviously, it's a tricky needle to thread. Uh, how would you say the department? What you know? What are some what's some advice that you'd offer up in terms of how the the department can uh, kind of thread that needle? Well, that's a one of the you know exciting um, areas I think that we have uh, been looking at. One thing that's interesting to note is that some of these are not necessarily new for AI, right? So uh, there have been a number of different types of analytical and other methods that have needed and have leveraged data in uh, other you know, in, in previous times, right? And so there are uh, a number of those safeguards that are already there, that are already being leveraged. What is, um, there are a few aspects that are interesting to AI in that the volume of data that's often uh, looked at, um, the uh, the uh, aspects of how um, it, it may uh, seem to behave similar to, to a human that uh, where a regular uh, analytical program uh, may not have that appearance. Um, so there, there's certain aspects around that that, uh, you know, we want to make sure to add into uh, the framework so that uh, there's, you know, it's transparent around when um, certain types of um, information or models are used. That was Gil Alterovitz, director of the VA's National AI Institute. You can find more data coverage as well as more episodes of All About Data on Federal News Network. I'm Jory Heckman, and thanks for listening to this episode of All About Data. Thanks for listening to All About Data on Federal News Radio, part of Federal News Network. You can listen to this episode and past episodes anytime in your favorite podcast app. Search for All About Data on Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your shows.